Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're going to talk about how the Green Bay Packers survived without Jair Alexander. We're going to also talk about if the Brewers were in the position of the Los Angeles Dodgers, would I be mad? Not like 2019, like right now. Present day Dodgers, over 100 wins, playing a one-game playoff. A lot of folks are mad. We're going to talk through that. And then lastly, we'll get into Chuck's Corner. We haven't done that in a while. We're going to talk about how I suck at texting my in-laws. Just an absolute abomination, and it's been embarrassing recently. So we'll talk about all that. We'll get into it. It's going to be a good show today, and let's start with Jair Alexander. So it looks like Jair Alexander will not be coming back to the Packers anytime soon. It does not sound good in Packerland when it comes to Jair Alexander. He is looking, getting looked at by a second doctor, maybe even by a third doctor, usually when multiple doctors are involved, that is bad news bears because they don't know what the severity is. It could be a grade two injury, which would mean four to six weeks, or it could be game, game grade three, which could mean season ending surgery for the Packers all pro corner. If it is grade three, there will be a lot of panic that sets in with Packer Nation, and for good reason, right? Jair Alexander is one of the best players for the Green Bay Packers. He is a top-tier player for Green Bay. And not having him on the roster for the rest of the season would be a monumental loss. It would not just be a minor loss or a loss that you can survive with. You're going to really be tested defensively without Jair Alexander. Some might say, well, that gives Joe Barry a pass. Actually, Joe Barry's been pretty good of late. But seriously it would alter what Green Bay's chances are to go very far in the postseason. And Green Bay could ill afford to have a ton more injuries at the cornerback position. We talked about depth all yesterday. We had a huge conversation about depth. And this is going to very much test the depth of the Green Bay Packers because they are not deep at the cornerback position. Ironically enough, one position where they're lacking depth is the corner position. Inside linebacker is another one. So if it is season ending, Green Bay should move mountains to get a cornerback. Look, I understand that the Green Bay Packers have no money. I totally get that. I've been one banging my fists on the table trying to tell all of the pinheads this exact same conversation. I've went through multiple wars on group chats trying to explain, look, they have no fucking money, okay? But sometimes people just don't understand this, all right? I still think the Green Bay Packers should try to trade for a cornerback. And they should try to get it done and say, all right, we are going to get a corner somehow, some way. A team who's struggling, a team who could maybe use one of our assets, maybe Zadarius Smith, as reported by Pete Bukowski, Zadarius Smith and the Packers are not on good terms. He is getting back surgery, but there's no guarantee that Zadarius Smith will be a Packer again. There's very good odds that he's might take he may have taken his last snap with the Green Bay Packers in that game against the New Orleans Saints. So there's that. And Green Bay could maybe say that all right, maybe Zadarius gets healthy. Maybe Zadarius is a guy they can move. Maybe, which this is kind of out of out of the blue and I kind of wanted to save this for a topic, but fuck it, we'll just talk about it now. What about Jordan Love? Why couldn't Jordan Love be a trade piece for the Green Bay Packers? Pittsburgh Steelers need a quarterback. They have Joe Hayden. I wouldn't say Joe Hayden is 
a premier corner. I would not put him in the category of Jair Alexander. But would Joe Hayden help the secondary? Absolutely. So if you put a put together a deal that would be the Steelers' second or third round pick with Joe Hayden for Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers signing a multi-year extension so that Devontae Adams then can get re-signed next year. You don't think that that could be on the table? Maybe it's fantasy land. Maybe I'm being a Bill Simmons here and just coming up with fake trades that help my team. But I do think that that is something they should explore. They should look at a team who might be needy at the quarterback position and might not be able to draft a guy early on. You could say, well, what about the Dolphins and Xavier Howard or Byron Jones if the Dolphins continue to tailspin? Well, they have Tua still, and I don't think that they're going to pull the ripcord with another young, unproven quarterback. If anything, they would trade for Deshaun Watson, even though he has more allegations against him than a lot of people who have me too allegations like he he's the matt lauer of of nfl football right now and deshaun still might get another opportunity which is fucking crazy and speaks to sometimes the climate we live in unfortunately but they would trade tua for deshaun that would be part of the deal. Tua would be included in that deal. Houston could then decide, hey, do we want to move on with Tua or do we want to get our own quarterback next year? And I don't really think the quarterback market next year is that great. I mean, Carson Strong's okay. You also have some other guys. But to go back to Jordan Love and to bring it all the way back to Jair Alexander, Jordan Love might be a trade piece you have to use if you can get Aaron Rodgers to the table and say, Aaron, we want to sign you into extension. We're going to move on from Jordan Love, a la what the, the New England Patriots did with Jimmy Garoppolo, where they traded Garoppolo middle of the year to San Francisco. Now, they didn't get any assets back. They got a second-round pick, and that was kind of it. This would be a situation where Green Bay looks at it and says, we need a cornerback. Can we use our young quarterback quarterback to basically bring in a top-level corner? Maybe not top-level, but above-average. Joe Aiden would be in an above-average upgrade. And it would be really interesting to see if that could happen. That, to me, is stuff that Brian Gunacus needs to be exploring. Brian Gunacus needs to also be watching the waiver wire, needs to be watching a guy who might be disgruntled or a guy who's maybe on his way out. Now, Jamie Collins is an example, and I'm only using it as an example. Now, I would not advocate for Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is washed up. But the Lions were like, all right, we're going to release Jamie Collins. They we're just going to go younger and younger. If a team like Houston or New York or Jacksonville has a guy like that where it's like a, a veteran corner that they're getting rid of, either try to trade him for nothing or just pick him up off the scrap heap. But, but maybe you can't have him make the scrap heap because it's very competitive. And oh yeah, by the way, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to need corners too. And that's going to be a problem. And you're going to have to compete with a very competitive Buccaneers team that wants to win another Super Bowl. So the Green Bay Packers have to know that. And that's why I think Jordan Love is a really interesting piece as long as you can get buy-in from Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is like, no, I won't sign a new deal. This is my last year. Fuck you guys, whatever. Then it's like, all right, well, we can't we can't get you a new cornerback. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with Kevin King and Eric Stokes. So the Packers can't do a trade. Let's just let's put that in our rearview mirror and look at the team we have in front of us. What does Green Bay do without Jair Alexander? I think they have to figure out the Shannon Sullivan part. 
Shannon Sullivan has been real leaky to start the year. Shannon Sullivan should have got beat a couple times on Sunday, and Big Ben overthrew his receivers. I don't think Shannon Sullivan can really play the slot effectively. I worry when there's an actually good slot receiver that goes up against the Green Bay Packers. We really haven't seen one. I'm trying to think of the first one they might see. Maybe a Curtis Samuel, but I don't know if that's even it. Maybe it's Christian Kirk or someone else in that Arizona game, or you know Tyree Kill, who does a lot from the slot. I I shudder to think what Shannon Sullivan could have happened to him against a guy like Tyree Kill. I just think there could be a lot of things wrong with Shannon Sullivan and needs to be fixed. Like Shamar Jean Charles is a has a bright future. I don't know how I feel about multiple rookies starting in the secondary. I'm probably not about it, I'll be honest. I do think that he can rotate in and maybe that alleviates some of Sullivan's bad plays. Sometimes I think guys, if they're not playing as many snaps, there's less likely a chance they have bad plays. It's just, it's a numbers game, right? If you're only playing out there for 20 snaps, the hope is that you're going to be consistently all right versus they're out there for 40 snaps, 50 snaps, you're bound to fuck up if you're not good. And I don't think Chan Sullivan's very good. Now there's the Kevin King side of this. What do you do about Kevin King? If Kevin King's back from a concussion this coming week, is Kevin King going to be in the starting rotation? I think so. I think Kevin King starts, and I know the, how much that's going to make Packer fans just shudder and think, oh my God, it's there. he's going to get burned all over the field. Speaking of slot guys, real quick to clean that up, Tyler Boyd's an excellent slot receiver and they're facing him next week so that could be a real issue with Shannon Sullivan but anyways back to Kevin King I think Kevin King can still be something okay I'm not saying I'm buying stock in Kevin King and you're like Charlie you are a fucking bias homer look make Kevin King play up on the line make Kevin King be aggressive tell Kevin King look they're gonna try to beat you down the field Beat the living shit out of this guy five yards in. And maybe, just maybe, they won't try to test you deep because you are dominating them at the line of scrimmage. The problem with Kevin King is that Kevin King still thinks he has the speed that he did when he was 23 or 22 years old. And he just doesn't. And that Kevin King can play catch up and make these great interceptions falling back. But the fact of the matter is, is Kevin King is fucking slow. And Kevin King wants to play soft. He doesn't necessarily want contact. He isn't like Al Harris, but that's how he should play. He should absolutely play like Al Harris. And I don't know if Joe Barry can convince him. If Joe Barry's like, look, you're going to start. We're going to have you be a star if you play like Al Harris. Like You watch Al Harris tape, and that's how I want you to play the rest of the season. And if you're not going to do that, we are not going to play you, simply put. I don't know if that kind of ultimatum will get Kevin King's ass in line. But this is an excellent opportunity for Kevin King. I'm not saying he's going to live up to it. But think about this, right? He's on a one-year, $6 million deal. If Kevin King has a good second half and stays healthy, operative word, he's going to get paid. I know that sounds fucking crazy to all of you. You guys are all like smashing your dashboards or you're like you're what the fuck is charlie talking about i'm sure that's what the oak trail boys are doing right now listening to this as they're building some house like they usually do like i think there <laughs> there's a real chance that kevin king could come through big he just has to play differently 
And he has to seize the opportunity. That's not been something Kevin King's been used to in the past. So maybe I'm just the eternal optimist. And maybe I'm letting Kevin King in one more time. I'm not going to defend him in Twitter streets or the group chats. Don't worry about that. But I am going to say, like, maybe, just maybe, Kevin King can shine. I also think they really need to work in guys like Henry Black and Vernon Scott. Now, those guys aren't corners. They're safeties. But I still think you can use them sporadically to kind of mold a corner, to just cover that slot, to beat up a smaller receiver like a Tyler Boyd, or to hang with the tight ends when you have to deal with guys like Logan Thomas or Travis Kelsey or Jimmy Graham. (laughs) Jimmy Graham, no. No, Jimmy Graham, you don't have to worry about Jimmy Graham. But you get my point, that you could kind of use these safeties as faster linebackers slash bulkier corners and sort of get creative. Where the Packers do have depth is that safety position with guys like Vernon Scott and Henry Black, who I think are solid players. I don't think they're like great players, but they're solid. And maybe you even think about Darnell Savage as a, a slot corner. I don't know. Can Darnell Savage play slot corner? He played slot corner in college. Could Darnell Savage do it in the pros? I'm unsure on that. I really don't know. That's probably a Joe Barry question, and I'd be very curious to hear how he answers it. Maybe one of our big J's will will get that question out there. Um, hopefully they will. If not, someone someone fact check Huber or Schneidman or Domofsky when they don't ask that question. Because I do think Savage could be a real option and another way to kind of fix this defense. And I'm not even saying fix. Fix the secondary, I guess, be the better way to put it because they they have had a good defense really since that second half of Detroit. Since that second half of Detroit, the Packers defense has been really kind of good. And it's been a sight to see. Now you could argue, well, Charlie, they've played bullshit offenses really for four weeks, including New Orleans where they were terrible. It's true. They haven't really played a good good offense just yet. Although the Lions, I think the Lions are like 12th in DVOA uh, last week in offense. I know it's really early for DVOA, but the Lions' offense is not necessarily like this complete lost cause. They just can't stop anybody defensively. And then you have the Steelers, lifeless, 49ers, lacking direction, but Kyle Shanahan is the supposed genius that we get boners over every time he does something fucking cool. So I would tend to think that their defense is doing all right. And now they get a spot against Cincinnati, who again has an offense that's pretty potent. That's not a not an offense that you should take lightly in the Queen City. It's weird they're the Queen City as Charlotte is also the Queen City, but that's here nor there. So before we wrap up the Jair Alexander conversation, I'd be remiss to not talk at least a little bit about Eric Stokes. I was kind of hard on Eric Stokes. He got targeted a lot. There were 10 completions against him. There were some moments where I didn't necessarily think Eric Stokes was all there. I think it's really hard when you get 15 targets against you. And he did, I guess, okay. It was 10 for 82. I guess if a guy, if you're just thinking a player, right? And I hate to use fantasy as the as the scope here. But if someone has 10 catches for 82 yards, you're like, that's a pretty good fucking day. And you'll take that. Even without a touchdown, you'll take that. And Stokes did get a P.I. It was a bullshit P.I., but he still did get a P.I. against him. They're going to keep going at Stokes, especially without Jair Alexander. Now, can Stokes ascend himself to a Rookie of the Year candidate? 
I don't know, man. That's so hard to ask of a guy, right? If he does, this this whole story changes. This whole thing about can they survive without Jair Alexander, then it's like they actually have another version of Jair Alexander on the football field. And they're able to take away part of the field. And then they just need to survive with guys like King, Gene Charles, Sullivan, Scott, Black. They, they can survive with those other guys because half the field is covered by Eric Stokes. But that is a mighty, mighty tall, tall task. And there are some big name receivers coming down the pipeline. Now, very familiar with Jamar Chase next week as he played Jamar Chase in college. LSU, Georgia right there, a little matchup. I think they probably played each other at least once. I have to imagine. So, And Stokes might know a little bit of Joe Burrow, knows what Joe Burrow wants to do. Then the Bears, you got to deal with Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Robinson not having that great of a year, but Stokes will be assigned to Robinson now that Jay Alexander is hurt. Following week, you have Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin had a really big game against Atlanta. He had a big one against the New York Giants. Taylor, Taylor Heineke loves throwing him the football. And then it gets real, real because then it's DeAndre Hopkins and it's Tyreek Hill, and it's either Tyler Lockett. Or who's the other? A DK Metcalf. I was like, who the fuck's the other guy? DK Metcalf. And so, and then it's Minnesota, and it's Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. It doesn't fucking stop. And so, I guess my point here is, it's really hard for us to be like Eric Stokes can be a rookie of the year and be always on. That's a tall fucking order with the amount of good receivers that are in this in today's NFL. But it could, and if it does, that's a game changer. So I'm not saying the sky is falling without Jair Alexander. I think there's a lot of things that could happen that could make the Packers still successful in their defensive backfield. Utilizing a lot of their safeties. Maybe telling Kevin King to sack up for once in his fucking life. Eric Stokes potentially being at a rookie of the year level. And maybe Brian Gunacus making a big splash at the trade deadline, which would be the first time the Packers have ever done such a thing. All is not lost. It'll be okay. It does suck. I love Jair. Let's just hope it's a grade two and it's four to six weeks. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not really a Brewers topic. It's more of a baseball topic, if you will. But it is kind of Brewers adjacent. So the Los Angeles Dodgers are playing a one-game playoff on Wednesday night. No one seems to be happy about it. Everybody is bitching at baseball. It is so popular to bitch at baseball. I think Craig Council even mentioned this on his last presser of the regular season where he gave baseball a lot of credit for having all the games at the same time the last day of the year so the divisions can could kind of be decided in real time. After that crazy 2011 final game of the year where all shit was happening at different times of the night. And I still remember watching that with my roommate Seth at the time. It was unbelievable. It's something that I don't think will ever actually get recaptured. And baseball wants it to happen so badly, but it, again, didn't happen on Sunday. So yes, we love to bitch at baseball. We love to make jokes about baseball. We love to talk about how Manfred's a complete idiot. And it's a, there's a lot of tropes like that. So everybody's mad today about the Dodgers playing a one-game playoff. This has been going on, right, for I think a decade now. This has not been something that's brand new. This isn't just getting introduced today. 
Unfortunately, the Dodgers have one of the best records in baseball, and they're subjected to a one-game playoff because they did not win their division by one game. They have 106 wins. The San Francisco Giants have 107. It's absolutely absurd that the Dodgers have to play a one-game playoffs and they're playoff, and they're not automatically in. And if it were back in the day, the Dodgers would be the four seed, and everybody would be bitching about how the Dodgers are playing the Giants. Now, they're still the four seed, and look, I can feel a little sympathy for the Dodgers. They shouldn't have to have to play a one-game playoff. And if I were the Brewers were in that spot and the Cardinals had won 107 games, I'd be furious. I'd be livid. I'd be like, how the fuck do we have to play one more game? And imagine if it was against the Dodgers. Could you imagine that? Like, imagine if the Braves had won like 106 games and the Mets win 104. And then they have to have the Dodgers come into town who've won like 92 games. That's that's awful. So at least for the Dodgers, they're one of the best teams. And if you are the best, you should win that game. I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. Like, I know it's any given day and baseball's crazy. But if you are as good as you think you are, you should win that game and it should not be close. I don't think it will be close. I love the Dodgers in that game. I'll be betting the Dodgers rather hard because I am going to go against Cardinal Devil Magic because what I've been saying is the Cardinals are getting fat against bad teams. Dodgers are winning that game and they are moving on. Now, do I think they should probably reseed the playoffs once you get to the divisional round? Yes, you probably should. You probably shouldn't make the Dodgers and Giants play in the first round. I don't know why baseball would advocate for that. Could you imagine the ratings if you had the Dodgers and Giants, arguably the West Coast version of Yankees-Red Sox, maybe not with as much fanfare, but could you imagine the ratings of that West Coast battle if you had LA versus San Francisco to decide who goes to the World Series? They have never met before. They are longtime rivals since the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants. The amount of attention that would get would be off the charts but instead they're going to play for playing a five game series i feel like we all all are getting robbed so reseeding the division does make sense let's say los angeles wins you would have san francisco taking on atlanta and then you have the dodgers taking on our brewers now here's the caveat and people would still bitch because this is baseball everyone loves to bitch about baseball it's a national pastime in its own right the Brewers still should get home field advantage. And you're like, Charlie, that's not fair. They they didn't have as good of a record as the Dodgers did. Well, here's the thing. They won their fucking division. Divisions for baseball matter. I talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago about how division titles are more important in baseball than any other sport because you play so many more games. You should not decentivize a division for the fact of a team had a better record than you and they played in a tougher division. I can't feel that much sympathy for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's not like the Brewers are slouches. It's not like the Braves are slouches. It's not like one of these teams has 85 wins, okay? I just think that they need to adjust it slightly to say, okay, Dodgers, you now have to play the Brewers And you could get the Giants in the final round as the two best teams. I haven't looked if the AL would shake out this way either. Let's take a quick gander. 
as we continue on. But yeah, I I really like I really like the Dodgers. I think I like the Red Sox, crazy enough. I don't know. I haven't decided. That one to me is a lot tougher to decide than the Dodgers Cardinals. I feel very good about Dodgers Cardinals. I do not feel as good about either side of the aisle between the Brewers or not Brewers, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Let's see here. So if you look at the standings in the AL, you have the Rays at 100 wins, the Astros at 95, the White Sox at 93, and the Red Sox and Yankees at 92. So that actually works out, right? And that's kind of how the wild card has been in a lot of years. This is an anomaly to have the Dodgers winning 106 games and playing in a one-game playoff. This is not the norm. So I think that people are making a bigger deal out of it because it's the Dodgers who won the World Series last year and they won so many baseball games. They have the second best record in baseball. If they get knocked out in that one-game playoff, all hell will rain down on baseball. It will be an absolute nightmare scenario. If you're wondering how does this still look like a nightmare for Rob Manfred, Mitch and I were laughing about that with potential of Tampa Bay, Seattle, or Seattle, Toronto wildcard game. Manfred's new nightmare is the Cardinals bouncing the Dodgers in, in the wildcard game. Because that happens, there will be people demanding change. Here's the one thing I will offer. They should really shorten the season by five days and make the last few days a weekend series, three-game set to decide the final playoff spot. That's what it should be. It should not be a one-game playoff. They should expand it to three. The amount of revenue, the amount of opportunity to kind of own a weekend is right there for baseball. It's still very early in the NFL season. It's not necessarily college football hotbed. We're just getting into conference play. We don't know who's good yet. They could have owned that, especially with college football having sort of a mediocre Saturday. For as many big games as there were, none of them were that good. Baseball could have owned that shit. Look at this. If you said on Wednesday, you said, okay, we are ending the season on Sunday of last week. And that's when we're ending the season. So we're really shortening the season by six games. Let's just say six games, okay? We're going to shorten it because we're going to add more playoff games. And hopefully this brings in more revenue for everybody. On Wednesday, you have the Yankees and Red Sox from Fenway. Game one. Thursday, game, game one between the Dodgers and Cardinals. Friday, Yankees-Red Sox, game three. Game two back in New York. So you travel, okay? Saturday in St. Louis, Dodgers Cardinals. Then if you wanted to take off a day for football, go ahead. You can take off the NFL day if you need a deciding game three and want to own that day. Yankees Red Sox Monday, Dodgers Cardinals Tuesday if you need it back at those home stadiums of Boston and LA. And then you can start the playoffs like you usually would on that Thursday. To me, that is a no-brainer. I understand the revenue losses are probably astronomical. But don't you make it up with owning this sort of stretch and saying, hey, ESPN, hey, Fox, hey, NBC or TNT wanted to get involved or one of the streaming networks. You don't think that they wouldn't pay top dollar for that? Come on. Of course they would. 
So maybe baseball just needs to be a touch more innovative. But the Dodgers being in the wild card game is an anomaly. It doesn't happen very often. Look back at when they started this wild card game and you will find not a lot of teams in the same situation as the Dodgers. But if the Brewers were in that, I'd be pissed. So I do understand the fan perspective. But I am not saying that they need full-scale changes, just a few slight tweaks. All right, let's wrap up today's show with Chuck's Corner. If you're unfamiliar with Chuck's Corner, you're like, Charlie, what is Chuck's Corner? Well, I'll tell you, my friend. Chuck's Corner is a place where I can just sort of bet. Shall we call it therapy since I don't have a therapist anymore? Maybe. Is it more me just kind of telling on myself and funny shit that happens in my life or things that annoy me, such as why does red onion stay on your tongue for so fucking long? I have no problem with red onion. I like red onion in my meals, but it just stays on your tongue. But it, to me, that's an old man. But I'm not, we're not going to go into that too much. But you get the idea, right? It's, it's stuff for me to talk about. That doesn't really it's stuff that doesn't really fit the sports landscape and just time to talk and kick back. And I put it at the end of the show because if you don't want to hear me talk about this stuff, you can just go ahead and we'll see you tomorrow. So for some reason, I've become terribly awkward at texting my in-laws. Now I've known these people for a long time. It's not like a marriage where you barely know the in-laws, right? Where you just got to know them kind of in the engagement and now the wedding process and you are just getting to know these people. I've known these people for really since my wife Morgan and I dated because Morgan lived at home. So I had to meet her parents pretty much right away. I mean, I think we had a couple times where we hung out by ourselves prior, but I had to meet her dad and the mom very early. And they're great people. I really like them. I've, I enjoy their company. They're always so welcoming and so nice. And they invite me to things. And they treat me like I'm their son. And I, I can't be more grateful for that. And I'm very thankful of it as well. So in that same vein, I got invited to go to the Brewer game with them. Next Friday. Or this Friday. And I'm going. Very excited about it. And when it was asked by my father-in-law i gave this like long answer about like i have to check with work someone's out like i think it'll be okay but i just need to check in on it work was totally cool on it which is great but all i needed to say was hey i let me check in with work um i just need to uh just need to figure it out and i'll get you an answer tomorrow i'm in just gotta check a few boxes just make sure it's okay I'll let you know if something changed. It, it would have been a really easy easy answer, but instead I wrote this fucking paragraph and I don't really know why. And then today, his wife, my mother-in-law, texts me and goes, hey, do you have anything you want for tailgating? Any tailgating requests? And I go, eh, kind of flexible. And I'm, I, I truly am. Like My thing with tailgating is I can really eat anything. I'm a fucking garbage disposal. If you were like, hey, we're get my dad would do this all the time. Hey, we're getting subs before the game. We're going to go to Cousins. That used to be the move. State Street in Tosa, we'd go get a cousin sub, and then we'd sit outside, eat the cousin sub, and then go into the game. Maybe we'd have soda, I think when I got older, beers, and, and just hang out. 
and just, you know, enjoy the sights and sounds of tailgate. So I'm usually down for whatever. So I say that, and then I he's like, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, like, just leave her without a choice, she asked. Might as well get a food request in. I was like, I'm kind of feeling a Polish. I was like, yeah, Polish would be good, and I like barbecue chips too. So kind of threw just a couple ideas out there. And then I go, but, you know, I'm flexible, so I'm really... I'm really okay with eating anything. And I'm like, why the fuck did I say the second part? Because all I just needed to say was, yeah, I'm flexible. It doesn't really matter. But these are a couple of my favorites. Polish barbecue chips. That's it. So I don't know why I have the yips all of a sudden when it comes to texting Morgan's parents. who I've known for a long time. I don't know. Maybe it's that. They're going to be in my life for a long time. Who knows? I'm not sure. I, but I, I, I've known that for a long, I've known that for a few years now that there were going to be people that would be in my life for decades and decades. I don't know, man. I don't know why I've put, I'm putting more pressure on myself. I think sometimes with me, I just overthink situations and I, I, I overcomplicate them instead of just giving a straight answer. I think I've gotten better at that from a working perspective, but I think in my personal life, it happens far too often where it's just like give me the fucking straight answer and i just sometimes need to think a little bit before i speak or reread the message and be like does this sound dumb like i sent something to murph the other day uh like about some idea i had and then i like basically i'm like God, this was a dumb idea and then i just didn't text him on not on our group chat for like multiple days because I was like, God, this, just ignore me. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Because I it was just an awful text. And I was like, I want that one back. So that's I, that's the, really the crux of it. I just need a delete button. I don't need a delete for sending weird texts at midnight to some girl. when I And I wouldn't, obviously, because I'm married. But it's the, I need it for my in-laws and my buddies when I send awkward texts. That's what I need it for. Other people, single people, will need it for that Friday or Saturday, Saturday night. But, yeah, man, it's just stupid. No Urban Myers here. Don't worry about that. Urban Meyer, man. Imagine the podcast content we could get with Urban Meyer if he was a Wisconsin sports coach. Like, if he was a Packers coach, could you imagine? It'd be incredible. I should have probably done an Urban Meyer meme. I'm not yet, like at level of making memes but i i definitely should have made an urban meyer packer meme or found a way in or a badger meme maybe maybe or well it's over now I and mean, we don't really have anything but urban was also caught just kind of diddle in the butt a little bit too which you know it, urban's fucked i'm just gonna say that I'm, i feel bad for jags fans all right, that does it for today. We're going to talk about Cincinnati tomorrow. It is on to Cincinnati. I'm sure I'm not the only one to say that. I'm probably the 75th jackass to say that. And uh, we'll talk about House of Horrors. Cincinnati's not been a fun place for the Packers. And we'll talk about what are the top House of Horror stadiums for Green Bay. And if you have any, hit me up. Twitter, Tapping the Keg. Instagram, Tapping the Keg Sports. Things that come to mind. If you think we will talk about the Metrodome, you are correct. So I will, I'll give you that one as a free space. But any others where you're like, God, I think we play bad there. I'll do the research. I'll have the numbers for you. And we will talk about places that give the Packers a lot of trouble. 
and who knows what else. Um, we'll see what else comes through. Um, we'll get ready for Dodgers-Cardinals maybe a little bit. Do we want the Cardinals to advance? I I don't know, man. I don't know about that. There's I, there's two sides to that coin. We'll see. I, I also maybe want to do the momentum thing with the Brewers because there was a good stat today. I didn't cover it uh, with the Brewers' recent cold streak and how that helps them. But we kind of did that on Monday. All right, I'm rambling now. Take care of yourself. Have a good Tuesday. We'll talk tomorrow. See you. Bye.